everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective Podcast, a back-of-house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games, as told by the very people who organized them. I'm Christian Apier, and today we're joined by Christy Nicolay, who I would say is the preeminent sports presentation producer in this game space for well over the past two decades. So Christy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Hi, Christian. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And holy moly, did you say two decades? I'm uh, super old. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, was not implying <laughs> age, only experience <laughs> okay. there. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Oh, you know, doing all right. Uh, slowly emerging from our hibernation of COVID. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we're starting to get out to stores and things. Went and got a haircut. So nice. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, our salons, I'm here in uh, Palm Springs, California, and our salons are not yet open. Um, I will be the first to go when they, when they do open, but we did get to go to a restaurant on Saturday night. So that was uh, that was fun. That broke our, I think, 75, day 75. We got to get out. Wow, that's crazy. Well, here in the state of Utah, they have a four-stage process with red being the lockdown and green being great. And then in the middle are orange and yellow. And uh, we're in the yellow stage now. We've yeah. been lucky that the that the hospitals haven't been overwhelmed and the number of cases and deaths are, you know, horrible, but at the same time, they're manageable, you know, so the infrastructure is coping and uh, so they're opening things up slowly. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm ready, ready to get out and ready for sports to come back. So yeah, Boy, let's go. Yeah. We're all ready for sports to come back. Uh, so ready for sports to come back. And I suspect that in this business, like everybody else, you've just been really severely impacted by COVID. And uh, I'm just curious, you know, how, how the particular work you're doing is kind of uh, managing through all of this crazy pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know, um, as you know, I mean, I've been doing games ever since I never stopped, um, since, since Sydney actually, but actually, um, you know, and a bigger role since Salt Lake 2002. So yeah, I've done every game since then. And in between games, I do, I still do sports. So, um, and now I work for a company, Van Wagner sports and entertainment, who we also all do sports. So we do, you know, the Super Bowl and the Kentucky Derby and the U S open of tennis and NCAA and NFL draft. And so everything, nearly everything that, that, that I produce or that we produce has, um, been delayed. Most things are for a whole year. Um, looks like maybe the Kentucky Derby might just be later in the year. Um, hopefully the U S open of tennis will happen. Um, we did do the NFL draft, but we did it virtually. So they, we did that out of our Raleigh office. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, just kind of on hold and just, just waiting and, and ready, <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. We're all sitting here. Um, not, not not necessarily twiddling our thumbs, right? We're we're sitting here and we're and we're trying to be helpful, um, but it's a challenge in this particular industry that relies heavily on spectators to yeah. to engage. But you know, hopefully, hopefully things will will clear up here soon, and and we'll be able to come back to some new normal, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the no spectator thing does scare me a bit because, as you know, I do um, sport presentations, so I'm 
all about the spectators and, um, you know, it's, uh, yes, of course we need sports to come back. I, I'm, and I feel super optimistic that they will, but I also really want them to come back with, with spectators. So, um, yeah, let's see. I think it, uh, I think, I think it'll, it'll be okay. We might start out. Okay. We might start out without spectators, but then I think, I think we're going to get back to normal. Let's uh, leave the COVID talk and let's <laughs> talk about Salt Lake. So okay. thank Best you again very ever. much. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm biased, uh, of course, being a local here. Uh, but, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. You know, what were you doing? You mentioned that you were working in Sydney. What were you doing before yeah. Salt Lake? And then how did you find yourself working for the Salt Lake Organizing Committee? Yeah, so I had been doing um, X Games. So I was kind of doing the same role that I do for Olympic Games, but on a little bit smaller scale where, you know, if you look at, um, an Olympic games, a winter Olympic games, it's like 10, 11 venues. Um, and X games is like maybe, you know, two and a half, something like that. So I had, I had already, I'd been the event director for, um, live event production is what, what we called it at X games. Um, which is pretty much the same thing as being the executive producer of sport presentation in the Olympic games. It's just that it's, much bigger in the Olympic games. And instead of, you know, just action sports, we have all, all different sports. So, um, so I had already kind of been doing the role for, um, since 1996, um, for X games. And then, um, I worked for MTV and for VH1. And so I have like a TV, uh, TV broadcast background, also music. And then, um, and then in between there, I, um, got hooked up with NBC, um, where they did their, their own version of an action sports show called gravity games. Um, and I, I made the switch from ESPN to NBC because I, I did always have Olympic games in, in the back of my mind and it, that did pay off because that got me to Sydney, but I didn't, wasn't really aware of, um, you know, working with the committee and having like a much bigger and, and longer role. And that came about, from just um, a girl, her name was Donna Michelle Anderson. She's like a producer writer that I had worked with on, on a show in, in Hollywood. And um, she just, she knew, you know, that I did X Games and she knew that I was on my way to Sydney to work for NBC. Um, but she sent me the job description for executive producer of what we called it sport production in Salt Lake. Um, sport presentation, sport production is the same thing. But anyway, she had sent me the job description and I was like, Ah, okay. And she said, this is your job. This is perfect. And so really, if it hadn't been for her, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have known, um, to look for this job in, in the Olympic, uh, world. And, and, but I did. And so, yeah, I applied and, and, um, and I flew out to Salt Lake and I, I've heard a few of your other podcasts where, you know, with Derek Salisbury and, um, Lisa Lord, all like friends of mine that said, Oh, that, you know, they had this, this one great interview and, and that was it. But, but I think I had like 20 interviews like all in the, all in the course of a, a day or two. Um, so it was a really much, much bigger process, I guess. Well, it sounds like you, well, we all know, uh, science, hindsight's twenty twenty. You made it through that gauntlet of interviews, <laughs> and uh, and you were hired, as you mentioned, to be the executive producer of sport production. What exactly is that role? What does it entail? Well, so mainly, I mean, I'm both operational and um, 
and sort of creative. Um, so I hire all of the producers, all the announcers, the music directors, um, produce all of the video content that goes to the video boards. I'm responsible for all of the entertainment um, that you see in the venues. I also usually in most games um, also produce the victory ceremonies. Um, in Vancouver, I was a vice president there. So I also produced um, Whistler Medals Plaza, the team welcome ceremonies, the even even meddling athlete transport, which, you know, I just quickly hired Derek Salisbury um, for that. <laughs> so I know nothing about transport. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's usually, it's, it's I, what we like to say is, you know, it's, it's everything that a spectator sees and hears when they come into a venue outside of the competition itself. And um, another thing that we use to describe sport presentation is that it's it's we we create the atmosphere that um, broadcast captures and sends around the world. And so our goal always is to, um, you know, create an atmosphere that looks great on television and that we we want everyone around the world that's watching the Olympic Games um, on TV to wish that they were there live. So that's in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> my elevator pitch for sport presentation. And when it comes to a uh, winter Olympic games, um, particularly Salt Lake city, how challenging is it to make that sport look really amazing on television? You know, there is a, there is a question sometimes in the movement, whether the, the games are for spectators or for broadcast, but you know, for me, it's, that's kind of a, a false uh, way of thinking, because if it's if the spectators aren't having a great time, then broadcast is going to look terrible, like you just said. So you have to get those spectators super energized and engaged. But tell us about your experience there in Salt Lake and how you got all the, the fans to become fanatics uh, there about winter sport and make it look just absolutely amazing. Well, I mean, I, I think I've done 10 games now and I still... I mean, there's been some great games and some other games that, you know, have been challenging, but I still go back and I would say uh, sport present or sport presentation. Salt Lake um, was still the best games ever for me. And I think it's because the, the fans were already amazing um, and it was a great city and it was easy for people to visit, um, you know, easy for people to get to, easy for people to get around. And, um, I had really good leaders and I think it just was, I, I, I never felt limited there. Um, I think I've kind of said before, I, I had a couple of my, my bosses, I had Sarah Weissman, um, who came from Disney. Um, and I also had Scott Givens who, and, um, both of them, like would always say like, you know, don't limit yourself because there'll be lots of other things that, that limit you. And I think what they meant by that is you know, each federation has its own set of expectations or its own set of rules or, you know, there's, so there's all these things that, that you have to kind of work around. And, but in Salt Lake, I mean, the sport managers were amazing. The, the venue managers were, were really open to kind of pushing the envelope. And I'll say like in particular, for instance, out at um, Soldier Hollow, where uh, Phil Jordan was the venue manager there. He came from, or I think he had worked in Cirque du Soleil and he really, I mean, he was the one that said, oh, okay, let's have, um, you know, horse-drawn sleighs take people from the parking lot to the venue or, 
oh, you want to have, um, you know, cowboys and Indians in the middle of the field of play? Okay, cool. <laughs> so we had, you know, teepees and, and just, it was just, just amazing. And um, I don't know, like the, the half pipe venue, we were able to put a, we put a stage at the bottom of the pipe and we had live bands playing, you know, at the bottom of the half pipe um, in between the heats. So it was just really, um, it was just, I don't know, it was just, just amazing, amazing experience and, and um, a lot of fun, which I hope translated to the spectators because I think the spectators also were having a lot of fun. I think so too. Uh, having been a spectator in a few of those events uh, during games time, when I had time to to attend some of the events, um, yeah, I mean the stands were always full. The crowds were really engaged, and it was a really, really exciting atmosphere to be in as as a spectator. You know, when we look back on it, it sounds like it was so amazing, it was so easy, and you didn't have limitations. But I, I, I would imagine that you would face some challenges along the way. Was there anything in particular that you found that was a particular challenge? Maybe not necessarily organizationally or budget-wise, but you know, due to the physical terrain or trying to to come up with some of the new innovative things that you did? You know, I knew that you were going to kind of ask me this question because it was, it was on the list. But I, uh, I mean, if you talk to me about other other games, like for sure, I could give you, you know, I, I have stories for for every other games on what the challenges were. But but really, um, I mean, Salt Lake was just a dream. And it I'm sure you know, I know we didn't have unlimited budget and I know I had a, uh, yeah, I mean, but it really, it, I really cannot think of anything. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the food, people always joke that we ate a lot of hot dogs. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that was tough, but I, I must've blocked that out because I just, um, I only remember, I only have just amazing memories, um, from, from there. Yeah, we did eat a lot of hot dogs. There's a there's a repressed memory that's now surfaced, and I probably want won't want to eat a hot dog for a while. Um, you mentioned a few people um, mm-hmm. that you talked. You just talked about Scott, for example. Um, who were some of those uh, really interesting people that you worked with, who were really inspiring or really fun uh, to work with? You know, or or you had some interesting stories about you know some of the particular individuals that you worked with there in your time in Salt Lake City. Well, I mean, I'd have to start with my team. Um, I worked really close with Larry Ganson, who was my tech manager, um, who just kept us laughing all the time. Um, you know, you it wouldn't it would uh, not be uncommon to come into work and have your 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 chair and your desk and your cube um, completely toilet papered. Um, so, so there's, you know, always great stories with, with Larry. Um, there's so many people that I met there in Salt Lake that now I get to see from games to games. And I just recently, well, it wasn't even that recent, but I guess seems recent. I was just in, uh, in Lima doing the Pan American games and had lunch with, um, Keith Davenport, who's from opening ceremonies, who does a lot of games as well. And and we were talking about how we shared our wall. We, we were cube, not cube mates, but he was on the other side of, of the wall for me. Um, and, you know, I get to see like Maureen Sweeney and, um, oh gosh, I don't know. There's all kinds of people that I run into from you. <laughs> I get to see you every, every couple of years, which is awesome. And um, yeah, so there's, there's a, a lot of good people that came out of that game. So it's just keep, keep doing games. And that's, 
one of the things about doing the Olympic Games is like just to have these relationships with people all over the world. Well, it's a, it's awesome to have those relationships and it's nice to go into a new city but see familiar faces. Let's go back to some of the fun times. Is Do you have any stories of uh, incidents or situations that were just completely hilarious? Um, I mean, we used to do so many fun things. Like we were, I think this was one of the few times or maybe the only time that that sport presentation was under ceremonies and not under sport. Um, and so what that meant is, you know, we had to work a bit harder to stay closer to the, to sport, but I was also surrounded by so many like incredibly creative and talented people, um, that were also just very fun. And so we would, um, like the things that I remember most were when we had to do not had to, cause it was super fun, but we would get to do like a team bonding exercise and our team bonding was, you know, we went whitewater rafting. Um, and, <laughs> and that was, a, and I think we camped overnight. Even I remember camping cause yeah, we were making uh, s'mores and we had playing chubby bunnies with the marshmallows. So, um, you know, super fun things like that. I remember also, I think it was the Christmas party where, um, you know, they said, and, and this was just my team. Cause by then I had like my own, um, sport presentation team was quite large in December, just before the games. And I think it was Sarah came and said, Hey, you have a, you know, X amount of money that you have to spend on a, on a Christmas party. I was like, Oh, okay. And we actually went to Sundance and rented like a 20 bedroom house or something. And we all stayed the night in, in Sundance and, uh, and, uh, um, what's his name? Um, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about Robert Redford, Robert Redford owned Sundance. And so we just had this amazing house and we went sledding and, you know, made bonfire. And, and, and in the morning I got to be, um, Santa Claus and I got to deliver little massage gift cards to, to everybody that was just passed out all around the house. So just super fun things with, with amazing people. And, and just, just the job alone was, was fun. So you add that to working with, um, you know, a team like we had, then can't, it's nothing gets, nothing's better than that. All right. Well, I, there's a lot to unpack there. So I got a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number one, did you actually run into Mr. What's his name? If, uh, <laughs> yes, sorry. Don't tell <laughs> him that. that. I forgot that. Yes. Was he actually around at that time? He was around. Yeah. And he actually did, um, I don't know if you remember, but we, one of the, one of the things that we did in Salt Lake, it, we, we had a lot of firsts in Salt Lake, but one of the first, one of the things we did is we asked all the celebrities to, to pre-record, um, the ingress and egress announcements as people were coming into venues. So, you know, they would be things like, hi, this is Robert Redford. And I'd like to welcome you to the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic winter games. Please have your tickets ready and your bags open for inspection. Like, so we, we wanted to make those, you know, boring announcements, super fun. So we did, we asked every celebrity that we knew and, and, and Mr. Redford was one of them, um, <laughs> along with, uh, many other people, you know, around, uh, around there and actually all around the world actually recorded those for us. So, um, yeah, he was very nice. The one time that I met him. <laughs> so. so you got those voiceovers at a pajama party, um, <laughs> yeah. there in his house 
he's just sitting there in his loafers. Uh, <laughs> I can just imagine. Yeah. I, can, I can picture it now. I can picture it now. I was just going to say, we also, um, one of my producers got the recording with the mayor. Was it Mayor Rocky? Um, and they had to go into a closet um, together to, to block out the ambient noise. So we have, we have lots of stories with uh, getting those celebrity recordings. Uh, another question I have is about the white water rafting. Um, yeah. Did anybody fall out? Oh, I have I have a vague recollection of Larry pushing somebody out of a raft. I want to say he pushed out Car- um, Kelly Swiatoga. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but I have a feeling uh, that happened. And and who made the who made the best s'mores? Oh, I am the s'mores champion myself. You're the everybody, champ. Yeah, everybody knows that I love s'mores, and I I've taken okay. If I was if I left a legacy anywhere, it's well, I didn't leave it. I just take it with me. But I've taken s'mores to um, Sochi, to Rio, to Pyeongchang, to Lima. To, so I make I make all of my sport presentation teams um, try a s'more at at one point or another for sure. Do you have to bring the graham crackers from the states, or can you I, buy them there locally? No, I bring them from the States. I just took, well, I, it was January, but I just took a bunch to Lausanne, to Switzerland. Um, of course, they didn't really need our Hershey bars because their chocolate are, is much better. But I bought the, I brought the, uh, the honey made graham crackers and the, um, you know, the fluffy marshmallows. And the marshmallows. <laughs> and my last yeah. more question, you can tell this yeah. is a priority for me. Uh, my last <laughs> more question is how well do you toast the marshmallows? Does, do you let it catch fire or do you like to just get it like a nice golden brown? I do not like to let it catch fire. Some people do. I just, just before the quarantine, we had my birthday here at my house because um, I was producing the BMP Paribas Tennis Open here in Indian Wells. And so I happened to be lucky enough to have much of my team here be- just, and then we locked down, but everybody came over and that's what we did. We made s'mores and there was a big, <laughs> there was a big debate over, you know, letting them catch fire. And, and no, I am a, definitely, I keep turning, turning, turning until it's just the right golden brown. I'm okay to let it catch fire for amusement, but I don't want to eat it if it's burned. Oh. oh, well then you, Kristen, you wasted a perfectly good marshmallow. I, I know, then. I know. I, <laughs> I, I committed mass homicide of marshmallows. I, I will admit, I confess. I like to burn stuff. There you go. Now the police are going to come after me. Yes, they are. It's funny. All right. Um, what other interesting memories do you have to share with us here? Um, from Salt Lake? I mean, everything. I mean, I, I, work-wise, I mean, I, I was just so proud of the team because I feel like we... We, we had a lot of firsts there. Um, uh, we, you know, it was the first time we asked the athletes what music they wanted to hear. It was the first time we did, you know, we were able to talk OBS or it's like, um, it was ISB at the time into letting us have our own cameras and letting us do our, our own interviews, um, you know, in the field of play. Um, and it just was work-wise. I just felt we were really, um, just able to kind of raise the bar on on what sport presentation was in an Olympic game. So just super proud of the team that I had there and everything that we did. And and 
we always now we always like so many times we go oh you know we come up with a great idea and I'm like oh no we did that in Salt Lake <laughs> so um you know there's I just yeah I mean good experience great memories um cha- oh you mentioned challenges before and I couldn't think of one but actually now um as I'm thinking about it at, at Utah Olympic Park uh, I remember that venue management came to us and said that they had a challenge of um, getting people to walk the one mile straight up the hill from the parking lot up to the competition venue. And, and um, one of my producers there, actually Chris Severson, who still lives there in Park City, um, he had this um, amazing idea to work with our sponsor, which was um, Quest. They were uh, the, one of the phone providers, I think. And we made this, um, this kind of walk where it had phone booths along the way and the old school phone booths that you don't, don't see anymore. Um, but, and we made phone books and the phone books were actually made of, um, each, each page had the top 20 songs from every Olympic games going back to the twenties. And so, uh, people would, would start walking and they would come up to a, a phone booth and they could pick out a song that they wanted to hear. And then they could, um, pick up the phone, which was really like a direct line. It was like a hotline to our DJ who was at the top in his own little, own little DJ house. And you could request a song. So you could say, Hey, this is Christian. And I really want to hear, uh, you know, Elvis Presley. And they go, okay, Christian, um, here's, you know, here's your code. If you hear your song before you reach the top, come see us. And so you would start walking and then halfway along the way, you'd, you'd hear your song that you requested. And when you got to the top, you could um, go to the little DJ cabin that was there and we would, you would get a gift and we had like a different gift um, every day. So uh, what happened was the, the result was that more people walked. Um, we called it walk the, what, talk the walk or <laughs> something, something like that. We had all these slogans and more people walked than, than took the shuttles. Um, so that was like a challenge uh, that we were we were able to uh, help with. It was a, really a challenge in venue management, but we were able to help them and support them. I love it. I love it because you're right. That's a that's a hall up a hill. There's a substantial elevation change there, and you turn yeah. it into something fun. And it's yeah. uh, nostalgic to hear things like phone booths and phone books. Yeah. Yes, I know. Can you believe it was that long ago? And I just, I think we called it dial the mile and walk the talk or something like that. We had all kinds of signage and we called it, um, the radio station call sign was radio KUOP. That's, that's what I remember now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, since we're talking about music, maybe we should go right to my music question. Um, okay. As you know, I've got assignments that I always give out to people. And yeah. one of those assignments deals with music. So, Christy, as you think about your time in Salt Lake, was there a particular song that you like to listen to back then that when you hear it today, it, it, it immediately takes you back to your time in Salt Lake? Yes, there is a song. I don't hear it often. Um, I mean... All of the music from Metals Plaza, because um, my, I don't know if you know this, but my now husband, he wasn't then, but was a, he was the FBI agent in charge of Metals Plaza. And we lived downtown in a loft really close to Metals Plaza. So I would finish my day and I would go down there and I would get to see all the bands um, at night. Um, and so I remember like, you know, Foo Fighters playing and Bare Naked Ladies playing and 
um, train and in sync. And um, so I remember all of that music from those bands um, definitely remind me of Salt Lake. But I think that the one song um, that I don't really hear that much, I'm not really sure what happened to the band, um, but it was one of the bands that we had at the bottom of the half pipe. It was a band called Lit. And they were kind of like an, an indie uh, punk rock band. And they had this song called My Own Worst Enemy. And I don't know what it is about that song. I just love it. Not, not, it's not so much the words, but it's just, uh, just a great song. I guess I think I like all that kind of tinny <laughs> kind of music. I still like The Killers and Blink-182 and, and music like that. So, so I remember when those guys played at, at the bottom of the pipe, like that was that was really cool. So that song will always remind me of um, the snowboard half pipe. All right. So lit my own worst enemy. That's okay. We'll go ahead and we'll put that on our Spotify playlist. And I do want to come back to that because you said that um, that was one of the selections that was used there in the half pipe and that the athletes were able to choose their own music. Mm -hmm. Um, Did they have to go through any kind of a vetting process? Did, did, uh, did any music get rejected? Um, oh yes, I am sure. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had, what we did is we had a website just for the athletes. It was actually the first time we ever, we ever did that or that any games ever did that. Um, but it was like saltlake2002.com slash athlete music, I think. And, um, the athletes, they could go there. And then the way that we knew it was an athlete is they had like a registration number, which was their like if they were a snowboarder, it was FIS. So whatever their, whatever their international federation was. Um, so they had a number from their IF and they would request music there. And then I think we would give them like three to five choices. And yeah, sometimes they would be, like we would have to be careful not only of bad words, but also bad messaging. For instance, um, you don't want to, like I think it was in Athens. We had a in archery. Uh, we had a an athlete. Well, the athlete didn't request the music, but the DJ, <laughs> the athlete shot the arrow. They didn't. Uh, it didn't make it, and the DJ played "Hit the Road, Jack." Um, so even <laughs> even uh, you know, there's 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 things like that that you know songs don't. Even though if it's like not even a a, a bad um, lyric, it's the message might be bad. So there's lots of songs, yeah, that would would not make it in. But now we've learned to have instrumental versions, or you know, there's of course now it's much easier to have clean clean versions. And and sometimes you just have crazy things like um, you know, we've had athletes I think as a joke request uh, you know, like. Britney Spears, for instance, I remember an, a snowboarder. I think he was actually trying to request it for one of his competitors or teammates, um, trying to, uh, you know, trying to get that song played for uh, a competitor, like somebody, like one of his friends. Or, um, but we've had like things like the theme from Star Wars, and and in that case, like we would we would go ahead and play it, but we would make sure that the announcers would call it out. So we would say, oh, hey, you just heard, you know. The, the theme from Star Wars, and that actually was a request by that athlete. So, you know, we don't want them. We don't want anybody thinking that our that our DJ is playing around. Yeah. I have to ask though: was it the disco version of the Star Wars theme, or was it the original theatrical version? <laughs> I think it was the original theatrical version. <laughs> I, I would go yeah. with that. I remember the yeah. disco version when I was a kid. You know, I would hear yeah, that yeah. thing. That's oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I prefer the. The good old John Williams score. Okay, right, that's awesome.
Okay, so let's uh, let's turn to food. Okay. Was there a particular uh, restaurant that you like to frequent there when you lived in Salt Lake? You know, I have not been back to Salt Lake. I went back for our reunion. Um, so I guess that was when 2012, we had a 10 year reunion. Um, so I, I don't really, I'm not even really sure what's around anymore, but I do remember the super good Mexican place on the way to the airports, something iguana, red, blue, green, something iguana. Oh, red iguana. <laughs> Red, red iguana is the one on the way to the airport it's yes. just uh yeah you just kind of go over the railroad tracks uh there's a viaduct there and then you on the other side yeah um, kind of hidden is, and it is my very favorite uh, super, super good um and then i remember like running out for lunch we would always go to the soup place i think it was i think it was like i think big city soup or something like that but um yeah really really good soup in the winter and that was all they had is what I recall. Just, just soup. <laughs> yeah. They just had soup and they had breadsticks and that was it. Yeah. 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 So that was good. And then any place in park city, was there something called Tamayo or something, something that starts with the C? I don't know. In, in parks. I mean, you couldn't go around in park city. I don't think. When yeah, I, I can't there. remember. I, I'm not a park city resident, so I'm not as familiar with the places up there. I know Chris Crowley in his podcast, he, recommended El Chubasco, which is a Mexican restaurant up, up there in Park City, which mm, I've actually been go. to. It's not too far from the from Park City High School. Okay, uh, okay. so yeah. cool. We'll yeah. definitely add uh, Red Iguana to our map that's on the website. Right. So cool. hopefully once the COVID situation abates, um, we can go and visit restaurants and and hopefully we'll have an event here in Salt Lake that will get you back here and, and we'll go have some Mexican food. Hopefully we have an Olympic games there and then I can, I hope you know, so. Yeah. Go full circle. I, yeah. That would be, I, I know Fraser's great. on it. Um, yeah. we'll see. Okay. To wrap okay. us up here, Christy, is there a particular memory that, um, is just your goosebump moment. You, you think back on it, uh, was just incredible fondness and, um, you know, it was a really emotional time for you here in Salt Lake. I think, um, I mean, I was emotional every time I had to address my team, <laughs> like whenever I was giving a workshop or, um, you know, there were definitely, I remember being emotional every time I had to, or wanted to thank them or, or just, I, I, I don't know. I, I still, I still get emotional now when I give workshops and I, I always tell them, I just the most recent is in Lausanne when I tell them all to kind of look around the room and because you, you may be working with these people in 20 years from now, or you may never see them again. And so I always, uh, I, you know, that's a little speech I give and every time it gets me. Um, but so I remember a lot of emotional moments, like with, uh, just, just with the people that I worked with there, but the moment, um, the moment that I remember most of where I was just watching a competition was I had just seen the men, um, the, the, the U S men's snowboard team, uh, sweep the podium, um, up in park city. So bronze, gold, silver, and actually we did the flower ceremony. Then it was just the flower ceremony. And then I think it was the same night being at metals Plaza. That's also the night that Foo Fighters played and then seeing, you know, the, the U S flag, um, race. So the bronze on all three, on all three flagpoles. So bronze, gold, and silver. And then, you know, the, the three guys, I think it was 
Ross Powers and uh, was it Danny? I don't know. Definitely not Sean White yet. But anyway, um, but yeah, seeing seeing uh, the U.S. men's team sweep the podium was uh, a highlight for sure. Well, those are wonderful memories, and I appreciate you so much taking the time to share them with us. I would have to ask um, when you have those emotional team. And there's there go the, the dog. dog. Hold on, stand by. <laughs> My husband. Right on husband. cue. There go the dogs. Um, but I, but I do have to ask when you have those emotional team moments. Is that uh, before or after the s'mores? <laughs> before I, you know, <laughs> probably both. That's an excellent question. Yeah, probably both. You time. know, because you get that, you get that perfect s'more yeah. and it just gives you all those, that, that warm feeling inside. And then you put your beautiful speech on top of it. I think it would, that would induce emotion in anyone. Yes, I know. The be- the speech is usually like pre-games, you know, and the s'mores are usually post-games. So it's probably a, a pre and post wrap up kind of emotion. <laughs> I probably have them all the time. Well, I'm going to let you go celebrate with some s'mores. Uh, okay. I, I actually do have some, so too bad you're in uh, Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Absolutely. Now, if people want to know more about the things that you're doing, the events that you're working on, or they want to reconnect with you through social media or other means, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, um, well, of course, I'm on Facebook. So just my name, Christy Nicolay. I'm also on Instagram, also Christy Nicolay. Um, and uh, I um, also can follow Van Wagner Sports and Entertainment, which is the, the company that I now work for. Um, and uh, yeah, and my email is just cnicolay at vanwagner.com. All right, Christy, also, well, it's oh. been a joy. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say also LinkedIn, of course, but I'm super bad at LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not so bad at it either, but I'm trying. I'm trying. In fact, I just had a call today with someone who specializes in in, in LinkedIn uh, for another podcast that I do. And she had one look at my profile and said, Oh, it needs major work. So Ooh. yeah, I, 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 I gotta get on, I gotta get on it and get my LinkedIn shaped up uh, and so on and so forth, but that's it's okay. So, so scary to me. It's oh, like me overwhelming. Too. You open it up and there's like 500 requests. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so scary. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay, it's been it's been great fun. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to reconnect and share your stories. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast. And Christy, again, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Christian. Hopefully see you soon.